We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It's game day. Lakers versus Grizzlies game for tonight. What an opportunity that now sits in front of the Lakers. They have a 2-1 series lead, chance to claim a commanding 3-1 lead. It's going to be a battle. I think this is going to be an incredibly close game. I can't wait. I'm Trevor Lane. Make sure you do follow me over on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. We've got a lot to talk about today on the podcast. Before we get into everything, though, quick reminder, if you're not doing so already, subscribe to the YouTube channel and do me a favor. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, hit that like button. I promise you, you're going to like what we're talking about today. Hit that like button right now. Just smash that for me. Would appreciate that. And then podcast listeners, if you wouldn't mind, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Takes you maybe 15, 20 seconds, something like that. And it's a great way to help out the show. All right. So we've got a ton to get into. Of course, game four is on our minds tonight. I've got a lot of different topics to get into. I do have some fan questions and comments uh, that I'm going to go through. That's going to just kind of organically pinball me into a lot of different discussion points, uh, including... One that I think a lot of people will like about Lonnie Walker and why I think now he should be taking minutes away from Malik Beasley. We need to have an, a discussion about that. I did a whole video on it yesterday on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, but that conversation I think needs to be expanded upon just a little bit. I want to talk about Dylan Brooks and some of the things that's been going on with him. We'll talk about him not getting suspended. By the way, that is official now. Dylan Brooks not suspended for the low blow on LeBron James, so he will be active for game four. And of course, we got to talk about what the situation is. What does this look like for the Lakers? What happens if they win game four? Where do we go from here? But let's get things kicked off with Dylan Brooks because this is mind-blowingly absurd, the things that are coming out of the mouth of Dylan Brooks right now. This is Dylan Brooks speaking after practice today, said he thinks the perception of him influenced the flagrant two call in game three, and this is coming from Tim McMahon of ESPN, quoting Dylan Brooks, the media making me a villain, the fans making me a villain, that just creates another another persona on me. But Dylan, this is just ridiculous. This is beyond ridiculous. Now it's the media and the fans that are turning Dylan Brooks into a villain. Never mind the fact that he completely changed the meaning of poke the bear with his low bro blow on LeBron James. Never mind the fact that he led the NBA in technical fouls over the course of the season. He wound up getting suspended during the season because he got so many technical fouls because he just can't seem to keep himself out of trouble. He wants to be in this antagonist role. Now, look, remember, NBA players get fined every time they get a technical foul. Like those fines add up. But for Dylan Brooks, this is part of his persona. Look, he's taking a cue from Draymond Green. It's the same idea of, hey, I'm going to be that annoying, pesky defender. I'm going to get under everybody's skin. I'm going to be the antagonist, and I'm going to thrive in this villain role. Except now, Dylan Brooks, now that he has fully come into this role, he is committed to fully, I'm going to be the big bad here, right? He fully commits to it. Now he wants sympathy? Now he wants sympathy when suddenly he's actually catching a little bit of heat for playing the villain. Now he's reaping the rewards of what he sowed. Now he wants sympathy. Now it's woe is me. The media is vilifying me. The fans are vilifying me. 
That's like McDonald's complaining that the media is portraying their food as too fattening. No, the media is portraying your food as too fattening because your food's fattening. Dylan Brooks, the media is not turning you into a villain. They're just reporting on what it is that you're doing. You're doing villain things, super villain things. And really this type of behavior, this type of comment, trying to flip this around into a woe is me type of situation, it really is super villain-esque. You know who it is? It's Loki, right? I'm going to try to take over the world. And then when it doesn't work, I'm going to blame it on everybody else, right? No, it's not my fault. It's you did this to me and you did that to me and all these other things. No, it's not me. It's on everybody else. This is super villain behavior here from Dylan Brooks. And here's the other thing. Pay attention to the narrative because watch what the Grizzlies are doing. Dylan is not the only one saying this. Actually, I should just start calling him Villain Brooks, but he's not the only one doing this. Now, right after the game, John Morant, right after game three, said with how they, talking about whether or not Dylan Brooks would be suspended, with how they treat him, I wouldn't be surprised if he is. How they treat him, how other people are treating Dylan Brooks, that that's going to create the suspension. Dylan Brooks is not the only one trying to spin this narrative that he is the victim here, that there needs to be sympathy felt for him. This is coming from John Morant as well. Once again, watch how the narrative is spinning. This Grizzlies team, I've called them front runners before, and all they're doing is proving the point here. Now, I like the Memphis Grizzlies. I do. I like them as a team. I think they're a good young team. I think they could very possibly still win this series. John Morant is an incredible player, but they are a team that loves to talk when they are up. When they're down, when you beat them, they shut up real fast. Look what happened. Dylan Brooks, after game two, calling LeBron old, saying he doesn't respect anybody who doesn't drop 40 on him. And then game three, what's the response? Doesn't want to talk to anybody. No comments after game three. Shut up real quick when the Lakers beat them. Again, front runner behavior from the Memphis Grizzlies. But now going a step further and going from being the antagonist and bring the heat and egging on the crowd, so to speak, cupping their hand to their ear, right? Bring on all those boos. That's the type of mentality we've seen from the Memphis Grizzlies. And then as soon as things are not going their way, it's why is everyone being mean to us? Why are we being vilified? Again, I like the Memphis Grizzlies, but this is absolutely absurd. And now we're seeing this, con- this effort to twist the narrative by the Grizzlies. Interested to see where this goes from here. But all that being said, I've got some fan questions and comments that we need to get into. And boy, when you get comments like this from Memphis, again, I like them. I really do. But um, I think it's created. I'm seeing more comments from other fans. Obviously, the fans that hate the Lakers, um, they're going to want the Lakers to lose no matter what. Like the fans that have a vested interest in the Lakers losing. I'm talking, you know, like Kings fans, Suns fans, Spurs fans, Celtics fans, right? Like, Clippers fans, of course, um, all 12 of them. But um, there's fan bases around the NBA that just vehemently dislike the Lakers. They're going to root for the the Grizzlies in this series. But I'm seeing the fans that don't have that vested interest, that that hatred for the Lakers that's kind of deeply ingrained. They don't have that. They're pulling for the Lakers in the series because of stuff like this, because the Grizzlies are just kind of getting on their nerves with – these antics and the absurdity of it all. All right, let's get into this. Uh, Ree said, great win, got past Memphis with Ja Hurt. If the Lakers win the series, no one will say anything about the Suns getting past the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George Hurt. So again, when we talk about narrative, right? If the Lakers get past Memphis, yes, people are going to come out and say, well, you only survived because Ja was hurt. You only survived because no Steven Adams. You only survived because Brandon Clark. Uh, whereas with the Suns, I mean, look, Phoenix has not looked nearly as dominant as people expected them to be. They were the favorite to come out of the West. No Kawhi, no Paul George. They're up 3-1 in the series, but have the Suns really looked that dominant? No. And some of that is credit to the Clippers. 
they've done a really nice job and credit to our old friend Russell Westbrook, who's looked really, really good. Admittedly, he's been fantastic for them and good for him. Good for him. I've been saying for a while now. I've been saying since Russ wound up with the Clippers. I, has, I hope Russ is great. I hope Russ is fantastic. By all accounts, he's a great guy. I hope he revitalizes his career. I hope he gets a big fat contract next summer. And I hope he just puts up insane numbers and they lose every game. That's that's the way I'm approaching this. And right now, that's kind of the way it's playing out, right? Russell Westbrook's playing great and the Clippers are losing because they don't have Kawhi. They don't have Paul George. Uh, both guys are, are hurt. But is anybody going to be chirping about how the Suns only survived the Clippers because of injuries? Um, some people will, for sure. Will it be as loud as the people saying the Lakers only survived Memphis because of Jaws injury, because of Steven Adams, because of Brandon Clark? No. Why? Because people care more about the Lakers than the Suns. So, of course, that's going to be louder. Why? Because the Lakers have 17 championships. The Suns have zero. And again, I, I think the Suns, are, I picked the Suns to win this series. Not saying the Suns are bad or anything. This is just the Lakers have a much bigger fan base. There's also a much bigger group of people that hate the Lakers. And so those comments are just going to be louder than a team like the Suns that just don't have that, that big, loud, boisterous group of fans and haters. So yes, it's the noise is going to be louder that the Lakers survived Memphis if they do get through this series and we got a long way to go. But if the Lakers survive, yes, the noise will be louder, uh, claiming that the Lakers only got through because of injuries. Again, that's because the Lakers have a lot of haters. Again, we, we've talked about this before, but if had the Miami Heat won in the bubble, would there be a bunch of people running around saying Mickey Mouse ring, bubble chip, all that kind of stuff? No. No, that only became a thing because the Lakers were the team that won. And if anything, I look at that, it, can that be annoying? Sure. But it's also, to me, it's a positive, right? It's positive because it tells you, hey, the Lakers have gotten under a lot of people's skin. Why? Because they've won a lot. People tend to not care about teams that don't win. When you win a lot, you get a lot of fans. You also get a lot of people who hate you because you've been beaten up on their teams year after year after year. So to me, when people hate on the Lakers, that's just a sign of how successful they've been. M. Dredd said, I'll take it, but I'm not happy with the win. I was nervous. Yeah, I mean, we got, a, I, I was nervous. I'm nervous all the time though, during games. If you've joined me on playback, you see me playback.tv slash Lakers nation. You join us for the games. I'm nervous through the whole thing, right? The Lakers are up by 20 and in my head, I'm going through the math of, you know, what could they make a comeback here? How can the Lakers, you know, find a way to, to see this through. And that's uh, the way it goes. That's, that's my approach to uh, basketball games, but I, I was nervous as well. I was nervous. Uh, they cut it to what within 10, but then credit to the Lakers. They kept the Grizzlies at arm's length. Even when jaw went nuclear, it started hitting threes. Josh said less than desirable finish, but a win's a win, baby. Yeah. Look, it felt like the Lakers, they had that insane first quarter 35 to nine was the score after the end of the first quarter. And then they just kind of put it on a cruise control and, uh, and they saw the game out. They did what they needed to do. Grind hard. Austin, him Reeves had good game. He's always good. Yeah, of you know, I said one of my keys is that you get a good game out of two of the three of Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. You need two of those guys to have good games. And uh, Austin is the most consistent of the group. Austin is the guy who pretty much every night, he's had a few stinkers, but way more often than not, he has a good game. D'Lo and Schroeder are a bit more up and down. LBC Brian looks like Rui's shot has more of an arc to it. Yeah. People have been talking about Phil Handy and his effect on Rui's shot. Look, whatever Rui's doing, keep doing it because he's putting up insane, insane. Like I, I hate to say it, but unsustainably great numbers. Um, Rui, these are his, his shooting stats right now. 22 points, five boards in this series. So in three games, 22 points and five boards, his percentages, 67% from the field, 75% from three, 80% at the free throw line. You heard that right. He's shooting better from three than from the field, and he's hitting 75% of his three-point attempts. That's not, it's not me jinxing him or anything to say that's not sustainable, but what a stretch he is on. He has been absolutely phenomenal. And the thing you got to love is that Desmond Bain kind of called out Rui 
after game one saying, well, let's see if he can do it again, right? You know, implying that he's not that good. And Rui said, okay, cool. I'm going to keep doing this in game two. I'm going to do it again in game three. Keep leaving me open. See what happens. I thought Rui's just, he's been playing so smart too. Even when the Grizzlies reluctantly go cover him behind the three-point line because he just continues to burn them from there, they finally go cover him. And he just goes, okay, cool. I'll take this closeout. One, two dribbles. I'm at the rim and I'm going to finish over you because I'm 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan. It's been tremendous seeing what we've seen out of Rui Hachimura during this stretch. And you got to love it, especially when the Grizzlies tried to question how legit Rui actually was. Desmond Bain did after game one. For Rui to respond this way, love it. Chef's kiss. D Plastico, master lock. Brooks ejection. Memphis is better without him. Yeah, see, I think Brooks does a great job defensively. And look, admittedly, he's a good defender. He is a good defender as much as I think the things that he says are absolutely absurd and ridiculous. He's a good defender, good defensive player. But, but he shot three for 13. He sure didn't look ready to back up all of his talk in game three. His shots looked like the Sacramento Kings shooting at the end of game seven and into overtime uh, against the Lakers back in 02. That's what his shooting looked like. He looked like the nerves they got to him because he was not shooting the ball well at all. Now that said, the backup is what David Roddy, who I like, but he's a rookie. I mean, at some point, Dylan Brooks is going to have a decent shooting game. At some point, because he'll have like one in five, two out of five or something. He'll shoot the ball decently well. So at some point he will. But I've been saying this for a while. The Lakers' best defense is Dylan Brooks' offense. Just is. Um, The Lakers' best scheme is to make Dylan Brooks the shooter for Memphis. Get the ball out of the hands of Ja. Get the ball out of the hands of Jaron Jackson Jr. Don't even let Xavier Tillman get a little shot in the lane. You'd prefer to have Dylan Brooks bombing long jumpers. That's the preferred option if somebody's going to shoot on the Memphis Grizzlies. And in that way, the Lakers can at least scheme something there. But again, are you super worried about David Roddy either? Eh, Probably not. Maybe if the Grizzlies had a little bit more of their depth right now. But nonetheless, I I question the same thing. Is it Do the Lakers actually want Dylan Brooks ejected from the game? Because I think defensively, they can probably do a little bit better job if Brooks is on the floor. Good guy. Latrev and Sean Anthony Davis. <laughs> Love it. Uh, that comment was coming in after our postgame show. Uh, Hemlo said, amazing game from LA. Love the energy from the team. I think the wins LA has had showed that bigs aren't the issue for us, but energy is. Sean is right. Yeah, I mean, we saw Wenyan Gabriel played, what, a minute? And maybe they rounded up to get there. He literally played a minute in game three. And it was like Darvin put him on the floor and then went, nope. And I was surprised because... Jaron Jackson Jr. came in, and then the Lakers took Wenyan out. Clearly, the plan is not to try to defend Jaron Jackson Jr. with bigs. Instead, it's trying to defend him with LeBron, with Rui, uh, sometimes with Vando on a switch, and to make that work. That's what the Lakers are using as their game plan, and you can argue, put Mobamba in there until you're blue in the face. It just, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And I understand you don't want to mix it up too much now. You don't want to throw in a guy that really doesn't have much experience playing with LeBron, playing with AD, and, and throw him in there come playoff time and say, hey, go stop Jaron Jackson Jr. Bamba is not that good of a defender to begin with. So I get that. But at the same time, I understand some frustrations there when Jaron Jackson is scoring and he did not have a good game. I thought finally, finally, he got a fair whistle, which meant he was in foul trouble because he fouled a lot in game one and game two and did not get called for it. Game three, he found himself in foul trouble. He didn't have a great game. But the Lakers got by without putting a big on them. And I think as long as they can do it, they're going to continue to not play Mo Bamba, not play Wendell Gabriel in this matchup. Kurumusha said, D'Lo pull-up threes with 15 seconds left make me sick. Well, so there's a difference between D'Lo pull-up threes in transition and, say, Russell Westbrook. Russ being a 30% three-point shooter, that's just not a good possession. D'Lo being a 40% three-point shooter, that's a different story, right? The math makes that worth it to do it and D'Lo we've seen him hit a number of these and he's talked about how what he's trying to do in those moments particularly at home is he's trying to give the crowd a reason to really go nuts right he's trying to to ride that energy from the crowd which by the way crypto if any of you were there in attendance bravo well done the crowd at crypto.com arena I still find myself almost saying Staples Center but the crowd in LA 
was phenomenal. The reactions, like when Troy Brown blocked Ja Morant. Oh my goodness. What a reaction from the LA crowd. Wait, way to drive the energy in that building. Way to push the team during that, fir that first quarter. You could see them just feeding off the energy of the crowd. And that's something that D'Angelo Russell, as he's matured as a player, is very aware of. And so while we can say, look, there were some frustrating moments with D'Lo, there were some really good moments as well. Um, he tries to capitalize on that energy. He tries to feed off that energy and he tries to compound that. He tries to make sure that the crowd has things that are exciting them to get them fired up because he knows that there's going to be a, a effect across the team, right? That's going to, to spread across the team, that energy will. And so D'Angelo Russell's trying to capitalize on that. That's part of why he takes that shot. But also he takes it because he frequently makes that shot. So while in the playoffs, and I'm doing the same thing, we're living and dying with every shot and every miss is a big deal and, and we put it under the magnifying glass. In general, I don't have too big of a problem with that being, being part of Delo's arsenal, even if it just means that teams have to pick him up higher in transition because that's just going to pull defenders away from the basket and potentially open up lanes into the paint for guys like LeBron, guys like AD, that maybe wouldn't be there if D'Lo wasn't a threat to pull up like that. So there's some positives behind it. I know it's frustrating when he takes that shot and he misses it, but overall, I think in the long haul, it's a good thing. Jsoft, AD had a bad, oh, Jsoft said AD had a bad game in my opinion. Braun was the driver for the hot start. D'Lo needs to be coached. So AD had a bad game. That's an interesting take. So AD... Now, 11 for 24 shootings, not ideal. But I have a hard time saying AD had a bad game. 31 points, 17 rebounds, two assists, two steals, three blocks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If that's a bad game, then he's the MVP, right? If 31 and 17 is a bad game and plus 12 on the night, second highest plus minus on the team, if that's a bad game, give AD the, the MVP award because he's the best player in the NBA by far. If 31 and 17 is a bad game. I thought AD was, was good in this one. Yes, I would like to see him shoot a little better than 11 out of 24. You'd like to see 12. You'd like to see 13 out of 24. But, I mean, eight out of, he got 10 free throw attempts and 24 shots. The line that I'm always trying to hit for Anthony Davis is 19 shots as the, as the floor. When he doesn't get that, you don't get that dominant performance out of him when he takes like 15 shots, 14 shots, something like that. Just not the same. But to get 24 shots and 10 free throw attempts, that's dominance. That's dominance. From Anthony Davis. That's exactly what you want to see. I don't think he had a bad game at all. The Triple C. Tristan Thompson is the biggest cheerleader. He's making money for it too. 
I don't expect to see him going to games, but he's there to be a veteran presence on the bench and a break glass in case of emergency, bigger bodied human. Dimitri Owens, Ham really hates Lonnie Walker. Not even garbage time minutes. Okay, let's talk about it. So I put a video up on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel yesterday explaining why I am, I've been on the side of Malik Beasley over Lonnie Walker for months now. And I, I am changing that position. And the reason why is, and I'm not going to go through the whole spiel. There is a, that video is there on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. Um, I go into detail explaining exactly why I think that Lonnie should get the minutes over, over Beasley, looking at a lot of different factors. But the Cliff's Notes version is this. What's now being asked of Beasley is different than what it was being asked of Beasley a month ago, two months ago, when Beasley first became a Laker. And we talked about keeping him in the lineup over Lonnie, even if he's not shooting that well because of his gravity, because of the role he can play alongside LeBron and AD, all that kind of stuff. That's not the job anymore. The job description has changed. The job itself has changed. And the new job that Beasley is in, I think Lonnie Walker is actually better suited for. I think the previous job that, that Beasley had, Beasley was the better fit. The job that Beasley is in now, I think Lonnie is the better fit for. And that job is eight to 11 minutes off the bench come in, particularly in the second quarter, which, by the way, the Lakers have lost the second quarter in all three games so far against the Memphis Grizzlies, come in in the second quarter and essentially be a minutes eater. That's that's what Malik Beasley is. He is right now just, if we want to use a baseball term, an innings eater. That's what he's doing. He's buying time so that Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, those guys can be on the floor the entire fourth quarter. That's what we saw in game three. Austin Reeves played the entire fourth quarter. Malik Beasley played the almost the entire second quarter, played 11 minutes of the second quarter. What was he doing out there? Buying time so that Reeves wasn't playing 45 minutes or something like that in the game. That was the purpose out there. So that's now, that's the job now of you're an innings eater, right? No longer is it we're going to run you off of a bunch of curls and have you shoot threes on the move. You don't see a lot of that anymore. No longer is that the job. So if that's the case, I need somebody to get in there that we're not going to really run anything for, that we might not even look to that much in spot-up situations. They've been kind of ignoring him. And you can be upset with the Lakers for that, for not hitting Malik Beasley when he's open. Defenses aren't defending him the way they used to. But it feels like the Lakers have lost a little bit of faith in Malik Beasley. So you're not going to run plays for them anymore. This is the job. You're not going to get plays run for you. And you're not going to consistently get hit as a spot-up shooter. So what do you need? You need somebody who's going to thrive in chaos. You need somebody who is going to capitalize on broken plays, on opportunities that just kind of fall into their lap. I think about Sean Marion is the classic example of this guy, right? Where you never ran any plays for him, and yet he still put up great numbers at the end of every single game. Uh, if we want to go with the Lakers example, go back to Cedric Sabalos who just found ways to get buckets on, on offensive rebounds and garbage time plays and, and just crazy things, right? Didn't have to run plays for him. He would just find ways to put the ball in the basket. I think Lonnie Walker is more suited for that specific role, for that role, for, hey, here's a broken play. Ball pops out. There's five seconds. Okay, go do something with it. Lonnie's that guy that's just athletic as hell, can get to the basket, can finish there, has a pull-up jumper, can create a shot for himself, He's a pretty good spot-up shooter from three. Defensively, neither guy is very good. So when I'm looking at what you really need, you need a guy who potentially can come in for six, seven, eight minutes and give you seven or eight points. Maybe. Maybe that guy comes in and he's on fire and can give you seven or eight points. And if the ball doesn't find them, it doesn't find them, and they're just not going to hurt you out there, I think Lonnie fits that bill. I think Lonnie is the guy who can come in be on a hot streak, get to the rim, get himself to the free throw line, which by the way is another thing. If you're losing the second quarter consistently, what's a way to stop momentum from going to the Grizzlies in the second? It's getting yourself to the free throw line. It's a great way to stop momentum, a great way to get easy points, get to the free throw line. Who's more likely to get to the free throw line? Lonnie or Beasley? Lonnie by a lot. So again, I am on the side 
now of Lonnie Walker getting those Beasley minutes. Now, there's another way, though. If you decide Beasley is just not getting it done, and by the way, I'm not blaming Beasley for the Lakers losing the second quarter entirely. It's not all on him. It's not. That would be crazy to say that it's all on Beasley. It's not. But if you decide that Beasley is just not really giving you anything, he's one for six from three in the series. He's only taken two three-point attempts per game. The team, right or wrong, is not hitting him anymore when he's open. They're not sending him the ball. It doesn't look like they have a lot of faith that he's going to knock down those shots. So if all of that's true, then the other option would be to just go, okay, Dennis, Austin, D'Lo, point guard, shooting guard. Total between those two positions, there's 96 minutes. We're going to divvy up those 96 minutes. All three of you are playing 32 minutes each, and then it'll be a sliding scale. We'll adjust depending on who's hot, right? That's the other way you could handle it is just Austin, D'Lo, Dennis Schroeder. You guys are all going to play 32 minutes. That's your base. And if one guy's hot, we're going to slide the scale and Austin's going to get 35 minutes and those extra three minutes are going to come out of Schroeder and he's only going to play 29 and, and off we go. That could be the other way you approach it. If you decide that Beasley just isn't giving you enough bang for your buck, you could just say, we're going to shorten the rotation and just all three of our guards are going to be playing 30 plus minutes. That's the other way you could go. And the added bonus of that too, of going that route is you could say, okay, you three guards are only playing the guard spots. We're not going to do the Austin D'Lo Schroeder, which by the way, isn't terrible. Isn't terrible. I know we still have that PTSD from the three and four guard lineups sometimes from pre-trade deadline, but the Austin Schroeder D'Lo lineups with LeBron and AD on the floor haven't been bad, um, but you could completely abandon that, which would feed more minutes in theory to either Troy Brown Jr. or more likely Rui Hachimura, right? Because you're going to need more minutes on the wing if Austin, D'Lo, and Schroeder are solely playing minutes at the guard positions. So again, there's a lot of different ways to approach this. You don't necessarily have to go to Lonnie, but if you want to keep the rotation as is, I think Lonnie makes more sense than Beasley in there, given what the new job description is. All right, I said I was going to give you the Cliff's, Cliff's Notes version I kind of went a little bit longer, but those of you who listen to, to and watch this show, you know that's what I tend to do. Once I start talking Lakers basketball, next thing you know, the time flies. At least it does for me anyway. Kyle Hampton. I said game three was going to be different. Now again, let's get game four. That's right, Kyle. Let's get game four. Mamba mentality. That's what I like to see. Total domination from start to end. What a first quarter. But in the words of the late, great Black Mamba, Jobs not done. Let's come out next game with the same, same intensity, LFG. That's right. Job is not done. And again, we saw the Lakers. It was so disappointing to see them pass on the opportunity that was in front of them in game two. Just not match the Grizzlies' energy and not find a way to win that game. Shot terribly. The Grizzlies didn't even shoot that great. The Gri I mean, there were opportunities there for to win that game. I want to see the Lakers learn from their mistakes. They have such a great opportunity in front of them here. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's not. The Grizzlies are going to throw everything at them. The Grizzlies are going to come. I believe the Grizzlies are going to come out to a hot start in game four. And it's going to be on the Lakers to weather that storm and fight back. But uh, there's a major, major opportunity in front of them. They have to capitalize when the final buzzer sounds. The Lakers need to win this game. They need to win it. And I think it's going to come down to a few key possessions. That's how close I think this game is going to be. That's how close it's going to be. Darius, I wore my Lakers hat today. You're welcome. Thank you, Darius. Appreciate that. Everybody out there, you have a lucky charm. You have something that when you wear it, the Lakers tend to win. Do it. Look, even if you don't believe in that stuff, what's it going to hurt? Not going to hurt anything, right? Wear those lucky charms. Lakers need all the luck they can get. And not, not Daniel Starkhand. <laughs> I don't know if this is actually editor extraordinaire Daniel Starkhand or not. I'm guessing no. But why isn't Beasley getting more minutes in the playoffs? Three-point percentage was subpar again tonight. Um, why isn't Beasley getting more minutes? Again, because the three-point percentage is subpar. The Lakers aren't using him the same way as they used to. And, uh, and again, I, I think long-term, I still like Malik Beasley. I do. I think that he's a better shooter than what we've seen. 
but we're past the point where you can allow him to shoot his way out of any kind of slump that he's in. He shot okay from three. He's like 35% for the Lakers from three. Um, but that number's a little bit inflated. Like the big moments, he really has not shot the ball well. He had a couple of games where he got in garbage time and got hot from deep, and that boosted his percentages. So his percentages look a little bit better than what Lakers fans think of as his actual shooting quality because the moments that mattered, he really didn't hit them. He just got hot in garbage time a couple of times. But in any event, um, Beasley, I still think long-term, can be a good player uh, for the Lakers. Just you're out of time for him to shoot his way out of whatever slump he's in right now, if he's in a slump. And you can see it. I, I And I hope I'm wrong, by the way. I hope if Beasley plays in game four, I hope he comes out and he, in his 10 minutes, he shoots like three for five from three or something like that. Because that would be massive. That would be huge in this game. Um, So that's what I'm hoping for. But I don't think the Lakers have time. It's the playoffs to let him shoot his way out of his shooting slump. If it happens, great. But if there's a better option sitting there, I don't think you can count on it anymore that he's going to come out of the slump and he's going to give you that massage mastermind i'm bald and beasley's making me pull my hair out every game <laughs> there are some opinions on malik beasley that's for sure joseph dowd said austin needed the ball a little more we went to delo and lebron too often when we needed a faster decision maker did anyone notice the four big lineup at the end of the second quarter not bad yeah you know Again, the second quarter has not been good for the Lakers in the series. I thought Darwin was kind of searching for things that would work. And so that's why I'm really curious to see what the lineup looks like in the second quarter of game four. By the way, another reason why I'm on board with Lonnie is what's the Grizzly, what, what would the Grizzlies' reaction be to suddenly Lonnie's on the floor? There is zero chance they've scouted for Lonnie. Zero. They're not scouting for Lonnie Walker. They're not expecting him to be on the floor. And suddenly here's this dude that's super athletic getting to the basket. That's a look that they're not going to be prepared for. With the playoffs being about adjustments and adjusting to the adjustments and, and all of that, the Lakers won game three. The Grizzlies are going to make adjustments for game four. One of the ways that you can kind of put them on their heels is to hit them with something they're not expecting. That's why sometimes when you see a team call a timeout, right? They get scored on, they call timeout, they draw up whatever their best play is. What do a lot of teams do defensively then? They like they switch to a zone, right? Because they know whatever play that that team is drawing up, it's to go against a man defense because they're expecting man defense. So then you throw a curveball at them and you switch to zone. Oh, how do we run this play that we set up when now we're going up against a zone defense and maybe it's not going to work the same. Now, NBA teams are usually good enough to recognize that it's a zone and, and adapt on the fly. But still, it's trying to throw a curveball at the opponent when they're not expecting it. Um, I think inserting Lonnie into the game would be that curveball. Uh, Beef said, we would have won by 30 if Brooks didn't get ejected. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He was not shooting the ball well. Caleb said, Memphis is doing the talking. Lakers doing the walking. Let's keep it that way. Keep talking, Memphis. Keep talking. Mamba mentality. Uh, are we still on? Let's get uh, Bees his rhythm back. I've talked about that plenty today. No, I'm not anymore. Curtis, Ja will have no gas. Expecting greater than 30 uh, for game four. Um, good plan defensively was to let him shoot and shut down everyone else. Or game plan defensively was to let him shoot and shut down everybody else. Braun with the bench is better than AD. No doubles. So here's the thing. With John Morant, I'm not expecting him to be out of gas. Now, he did tweak his calf at the end of the game in game three, but he I think it was just a cramp because we haven't heard anything else about it, so I'm sure he's going to be fine. A lot of people are complaining about the Lakers' defense on John Morant. Why are you going under on him? Uh, because he's a 30% three-point shooter. Now, he, he hit 6 for 10, 60% to double what you would expect from him in game three. He shot 13 of 26 on the night. Hopefully, he burned all of those makes out of his system in a game that was out of reach anyway. Right? Hopefully, regression hits him in game four and he shoots like one for eight from three or something like that. 
because he's not a 60% three-point shooter. The reason why the Lakers went under on screens, because you should go under on screens when it's John Morant and he can get into the paint and wreak havoc, or you can let him shoot 30% from behind the arc. Eh, please shoot 30% from behind the arc. But this game, he happened to shoot 60%. Hopefully next game, the numbers catch up to him and that will help the Lakers win the game. Uh, as far as him being tired, I mean, he's 23. I don't think he's going to be all that tired. I just don't. He's 23 years old. Aldrin, low-key, did not want Brooks to get ejected. His bricks actually helped the Lakers' defense. I've been making that point. Yep. Nikhil said, got the win, LFG. Stop playing with your food, Lakers. Yes, please. Game four. Got to be focused. Got to be sharp the entire game. Again, Grizzlies going to hit you with everything. Malou said, why the Lakers play every two days and Suns every other day? That's just the way the scheduling broke down. I think part of it is it's a challenge because like when they're in Memphis, Memphis is on central time. And so you've seen the Lakers actually have the early game, even though they're playing a Western conference team, which is kind of weird. Just Memphis is so far East. Memphis may even get moved into the Eastern conference once, uh, once we get expansion, which I think is going to happen in a few years. Uh, or at least it'll be announced in a few years. So who knows? Memphis is so far east. They might not be a Western Conference team once we have an expansion. Maybe Minnesota gets moved. We'll see. But that I think that's part of it. Just the timing of things has been kind of tough. Um, but yeah, that's just the scheduling breakdown. But now from here, I believe it's every other day they're going to be playing. So, all right, let's take a quick pause right there to give a shout out to our sponsor. And that is shady rays you guys have heard me talk about them before you guys know shady rays it is they are my my daily driver sunglasses and have been for years long before they became a sponsor of the show i love shady rays absolutely phenomenal sunglasses i've talked about it before i literally own five pairs because i liked all the different styles so much over the years i've just bought different pairs of them um phenomenal phenomenal sunglasses um Shady Rays, they are an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair I've ever worn. That's legit. You guys, if you follow me on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA, you've probably seen any of the pictures that I've taken when I've been showing off my new Lakers gear and things like that that I've got or, or wherever I'm at. I have plenty of pictures where I'm wearing Shady Rays over the years. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even day one, the day you get them, uh, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they will have your back long after purchase. Again, it's happened to me twice. Twice. In all the years that I've worn Shady Rays sunglasses, it's happened twice where I've broken a pair. One pair I lost, one pair I broke. I put them on the seat of my car, forgot. Went back, sat on them, broke them, contacted Shady Rays. Immediately, they shipped a new pair to me. It was part of the reason why I tried them to begin with was because I'm the type that loses or breaks sunglasses. And I was tired of getting super expensive sunglasses and then breaking them and then feeling awful. With Shady Rays, I knew I'm getting a replacement if that does happen. And again, I have taken advantage of this program twice in all the years that I've worn Shady Rays. And it is legit. They send them right to you. You get your replacements very quickly. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Again, saved me twice already. And part of the reason why I continue to be a Shady Rays customer. Uh, if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code LakersNation for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Again, that's ShadyRays.com. Use that code LakersNation. All right, let's get back into some of the fan questions and comments. We'll do a few more. Master lock the refs for ejecting Dylan Brooks, LFG, LA. Again, I don't know if that actually helped the Lakers. Dylan Brooks getting ejected. This one said, it looked like Reeves told Bain 4-1 after they both chased down the ball. I didn't see that play, so I can't confirm that that's what happened. But uh, if it did, then I just hope Reeves backs it up. If you're going to throw something like that out there, give the opponent whiteboard material like that, you better back it up. 
RVB, what's the point of signing Tristan Thompson? We need a real backup center. Who was out there that you were going to sign? That's That was realistically going to get minutes. That's the problem. That's the problem. Watts, Raiders, said, why when LeBron and AD get the ball in the wing, other than the pick, nobody moves. They just stand around the perimeter in the second half. Yeah, that's a little bit frustrating to me. I would like to at least see like a pin down screen and somebody pop up, just something to make the defense think a little bit and move a little bit so they can't all just watch what LeBron and AD are doing and get ready to make that move over to, to come over and, and stop them. Uh, at the same time, you can create some miscommunication there. And we saw it actually in the game where LeBron uh, was dribbling to the right side of the floor and Vando vacated the corner, went to cut baseline right as LeBron threw the pass to the corner. And so it wound up being a turnover because the pass just went straight out of bounds. Um, you can get some miscommunications like that. So say LeBron drives, ideally he's not going to have to, he's driving towards the basket. He gets into the paint. He gets up in the air. You don't necessarily want to try to have to hit a moving target if the correct play is the kick out, right? So that can be a little bit of a challenge, I suppose, but that's me kind of grasping at straws, trying to come up with a reason why you don't see much more off-ball movement because I agree in general. I would like to see more movement off-ball, even if you're just making the defense think and and make some choices. Now, that does mean spending a little bit more energy if you're the Lakers, so maybe that's part of it as well. Twisted. The name Davis was strong tonight between AD and Tank. Yes, indeed. Lakers fan 17. Baby Kawhi proving himself in the playoffs. People are calling Rui Baby Kawhi. Like, I get it, but he's not that defender. That's not what, what Rui is. And Rui's been great. But, yeah, that's not that's setting the bar a bit high. First, Co. Very creative in the way AD got the ball tonight. Crazy to see the team and coaching staff learn on the fly like this. There's nights where the coaching staff and the team, they look really good. I thought game three was one of those. Now, it helps when Memphis is missing everything. That certainly can make you look really good. But nonetheless, I do think there were improvements. The question, though, still remains, can you make adjustments mid-game? Right? That's the question. I think that's going to be the real test here for game four because Memphis is going to adjust. It's on them to make the big adjustments now that are going to help them win game four. They have to win game four. So with that being the case, can the Lakers adjust to whatever new wrinkles the Grizzlies throw at them? That's going to be on Darvin Ham and the coaching staff, number one, to assess what it is that Memphis is doing. Is it successful? And then how do you respond to that? We'll see if they can do that. That's the next step. Linal, why do they keep going under screens, leaving job? I addressed that already, but appreciate the, the super chat. Uh, Wila said, need to play Mo Bamba. With AD, AD's injury concern, he's doing too much. His effort is not sustainable. I hope this doesn't continue. I've seen a lot of arguments for playing Mo Bamba. AD's injury history is certainly one of them, but it just doesn't seem like that's the path the Lakers are wanting to go down. They're going to continue to use AD at center. I don't think they're going to play another big very much at all. And that includes Wenyan. And I think Wenyan is in the pecking order ahead of Mo Bamba. I just don't think you're going to see him. Lil Yoni, how far do you think the Lakers can go in the playoffs this year? I mean, the potential is there for them to win a championship. That's the ce that's the ceiling right now. Now, I will say, not winning game two concerned me a little bit. Like, the true championship teams are probably winning that game, right? Now, hopefully that's not the case because we also can say, well, 2020, they lost game one to Portland, losing game one to Houston, right? Uh, you dropped a, dropping a game to Denver. <laughs> Going to six against Miami when you had a chance to win it in game five, particularly that Danny Green shot at the buzzer. Man, he caught too, way too much flack for that miss, by the way. But but even that team, which was a championship team, had their games where you say, well, man, that was kind of a rough loss or something. But game two gave me a little bit of concern. Like true championship contender teams tend to not do stuff like that. Um, but that said, I still think the ceiling is a championship. I won't say that's likely. It's definitely not. But that's the ceiling now. And that ceiling was not there prior to the trade deadline. W. Joseph, should we be worried about Ja? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a tremendous player. So, yes. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he can create all kinds of problems for you. I thought the Lakers did a pretty decent job walling him off until the fourth quarter. He just went berserk. He had, what, 22 straight points himself? 
Like if your offense is not clicking, if you're missing shots, Jock can just get out and run past you. Even if you make shots and your transition defense isn't good, he can be at the rim before you know what happened. So yeah, the Lakers should be worried about Jock. That said, I I'd also don't expect him to shoot six for 10 from three in game four. If he does, that's going to be really tough. Sean, Ja Morant, more like Ja Wick. Game four will be scary. He's comfortable with that hand now. He does look very comfortable with it. We'll see. He also had some bad turnovers where you could tell it was kind of bugging him a little bit. But it seems like on his shot, he's just fine. Josh Crockett. The first quarter was the epitome of Mamba mentality. We need it for four quarters. Lakers Nation, stand up. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They need four quarters of that, particularly game four. Game four, again, it's going to come down. I think it's going to come down to a few plays. We'll ultimately decide the game. you got to be switched on the entire game if you're the Lakers. Nikhil, I'd rather have Christie than Beasley. See, I don't think like 19-year-old Max Christie is going to get out there. And I like Max Christie a lot. I think he's a great find. I think he may very well be the Lakers 3 and D wing of the future. I like Max Christie a lot. I don't think the playoffs are the time to put him in there when he hasn't played meaningful minutes in the regular season in ages. Now's not the time to say, okay, Max, go out there and do your thing. That's a lot. That's putting, especially on a 19 year old, that's asking a lot. Tarnjot said, not a big fan. When LeBron holds the ball, all possession, we are much better against the Grizzlies with D'Lo and Austin starting sets and LeBron in the post slashing. Yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think, there were a few times when we saw LeBron just take some really tough shots, jumpers, and things like that. Um, but I also, you know, I was thinking about this. Part of this may be the injury, but we got a big Anthony Davis game in game three. We haven't really gotten a big dominant LeBron game, and his foot injury may prevent him from doing that in general. But I still have a feeling there's going to be a day, a game, where LeBron, everything's clicking, body feels good, foot feels good, and he goes for like 35, 40 points. I think we're going to get one of those games at some point. Maybe it'll be game four, but I think it's coming. I do think that we've seen some possessions that have been a little bit sloppy from him, um, where he's just a little bit out of rhythm. And in general, yeah, I, I do think we've seen some good stuff with him off ball as a slasher. That's worked pretty well because even when he's not, doesn't have the ball. You can't just not pay attention to LeBron James. So I think that creates opportunities for other players. But I do think there's a big LeBron game coming at some point. At some point. Jay Hardesty. Great win. We need to swap Beasley minutes for Lonnie. I'm on board with you. I'm with you. Anthony. What would the Lakers record be if we started the season with the roster? What seed? I think they could be the three seed. Three or four. I think that's realistic. If you had if you had this roster the entire season, I think that's realistic. They'd be a three or a four seed. Uh, obviously much better than where they were. So when I look at this Lakers team and, and you say, oh, it's a two versus seven matchup, it doesn't feel that way at all, does it? No, because the Lakers post-trade deadline have the best record in the Western Conference. So post-trade deadline, they're a completely different team than they were pre-trade deadline. So while the Grizzlies are the two seed, the Lakers are the seven seed, the series doesn't feel like that because... This is a completely different Lakers team. This isn't the team that was the 13th seed. That team doesn't exist anymore. They went away at the trade deadline and the Lakers brought in a completely different group now, essentially. That's the way I look at it. It is a new iteration of the Lakers here post-trade deadline. It's a different team. That's why this doesn't feel like a normal 2v7 matchup. Walkers said, I think LeBron looked like the game six against Boston LeBron early in the first quarter. Then they kind of took their foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll go go all the way to that Boston blow-up uh, performance that he had, which was an all-time type of performance. But I I do think, yeah, LeBron got going quick and LeBron had a little something extra. You know, maybe that was because of the Dylan Brooks thing, but the crowd was behind him as well. I hope the crowd is, is loud and boisterous for game four. But yeah, they did take their foot off the gas pedal. But that's what this Lakers team does. They do that. They'll get out to a big lead and you know... They're going to take their foot off. It's just, it's what they do. Uh, this one says, what about D'Lo for DeJounte Murray instead of Trey? The defense will be killer and Trey really isn't that great from three anyway. Also, clutch client, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so 
the people were talking about who you could sign and trade D'Lo for. And there's been a lot of chatter about, you know, oh, D'Lo for Kyrie, double sign and trade. The problem with that being that if you accept the player in a sign and trade, you trigger the hard cap, which would be a real impediment to the Lakers building out the rest of your roster. Essentially, Kyrie on the Lakers is signing up for, aside from maybe a player or two, LeBron, AD, Kyrie, and veteran minimum guys. Regardless of how you get them there, whether it's in free agency or in a sign and trade. That's what you're looking at. But if you were to sign and trade D'Lo for a player who's already under contract, therefore you don't trigger that hard cap because it's not a sign and trade bringing a player in, then it's a different story. Then you can keep a lot of your guys if you decide to go down that path. Now, I think the most likely option is the Lakers just keep D'Lo, sign him to a new deal. Maybe come December 15th, they trade him when the guys who signed contracts over the summer become trade eligible. Maybe they trade him by the trade deadline next year. I don't know. But I actually kind of like, you know, I know D'Lo has been kind of hit and miss lately, but I like his skill set and I like the fit of his skill set next to Austin Reeves. Would I like it better if he was a better defender? Yes. But otherwise, what do you want with Austin in the backcourt? You want a guy who's kind of like Austin, right? You want a guy who is capable of playing on or off the ball, can act as the initiator, can be a good spot-up shooter as well. And that's what D'Angelo Russell is. And also has some decent size, 6'4", and actually has a pretty long wingspan. Um, he's not good defensively. And so that's the weakness there. If he was a better defender, obviously it would go a long, long way. But I still think D'Lo is not a bad fit for the Lakers. So if they sign him, and I think they should sign him to a contract extension, um, if they sign him to this new deal, it doesn't mean that they're not going to move him in the future. But I think that's more likely than a sign-and-trade scenario. I think that's more like, because think about that. In order to do a sign-and-trade, not only does an opposing team have to really like D'Angelo Russell, really think D'Angelo Russell is the piece that's going to move them forward, be willing to pay D'Angelo Russell whatever it is that he needs on his next contract for however many years, so you have to cross that hurdle. They have to like D'Angelo Russell and be willing to pay whatever it is D'Lo wants and then on top of that, they need to be willing to give up some sort of asset in exchange for the right to be able to pay D'Lo that much money. That's a lot, right? Not only are you willing to pay D'Angelo Russell what he wants, not only do you think D'Lo is the best fit, but you also have to believe that at that dollar amount, he is worth giving up stuff to get. That's a lot of hurdles to clear so i don't think a, a sign and trade situation is likely i mean i'm not saying it's impossible but just doesn't seem like the most likely outcome here i think what we're going to see is d'angelo russell and the lakers come to an agreement i don't know what that's going to be i think the dust needs to settle on the playoffs and then we can get into the summer and we'll start figuring that out the lakers and d'angelo russell have all the way until june 30th to come up with an extension um all the way until the league calendar flips they could let the calendar flip into the next season and then do a deal from there uh, but or they can do an extension. So I think most likely the Lakers re-sign him to a new deal. Maybe it's an extension. Maybe it's just a new contract. And then should things really not be working, maybe he becomes a trade piece in February. Maybe. But I think the number one option is re-sign him. Hopefully things click and his skill set fits great with Austin Reeves and off you go. Devin said, Rui looks to be our third best player. Do you think he's surpassed Reeves? Uh, he's been really good in the last three games, particularly just scoring. I don't know if I would say he's the third, but I think the great thing is for the Lakers, there's a number of guys that could be the third best player on any given night. And that's great. And Austin can be there certainly more often than not, but Rui has been fantastic so far in the playoffs and hopefully he keeps it up. He's been great. I, I'm not worried about who is in that slot. Just the biggest thing is that somebody is in that slot. And, and for a reason that's not by default, right? Because they are legitimately having a good game. I think one of the keys for the Lakers in the playoffs here is that obviously you get what you expect out of LeBron and AD, but then that you get two or three of your other guys stepping up and having above average games. D'Lo, Austin, Schroeder, Rui, Troy Brown, right? You need these guys to have a... Vando, of course. How do I leave him out of there? Um, you need two or three of those guys to have above average games. That's what's going to help make the Lakers really tough to stop. Um, Hemlo 
Y'all are tripping. D'Lo's impact on team chemistry and during the season has been major. Memphis's uh, defense has been good too. Y'all are going to wake up if he goes. Yeah, I mean, if D'Lo leaves, the Lakers can't replace him. They're going to be an above-the-cap team no matter what. Well, okay, they, not necessarily. They could clear the decks and be a below-the-cap team, but most likely they're going to be an above-the-cap team. So that's the other piece to this. If you don't sign D'Lo to a new deal, you can't replace him. It's not like you have spending power to go out there, oh, well, D'Lo walked away, but the $30 million we were going to give him, uh, we can turn around and give that $30 million to that guy over there that we think is better anyway. No, you can't do that. You're going to be above the cap. You won't have extra spending power just because D'Lo leaves. Aside from maybe having access to the full mid-level exception instead of the taxpayer because your overall salaries will be lesser, but you're talking about a difference of like $4 bucks more to spend. Not worth it. You're better off just signing D'Angelo Russell. Alex, we need to keep Rui. Yep. And he's restricted. There's no way that Rui leaves the Lakers if they want to keep him. That should be at least somewhat comforting. I know it's not comforting until the deal is done, but Austin Reeves is in the same situation. Both of them restricted. They can't leave without the Lakers making the conscious decision to let them go. They have to do That's the only way. They're going to be restricted. Restricted free agents. The Lakers would have to make the decision. We are going to let this guy go. It's not like they're a free agent like Troy Brown is going to be a free agent. If Troy Brown gets a full mid-level exception offer from, I don't know, the Orlando Magic, he can say, I'm signing that deal, and that's it. He's gone. There's nothing the Lakers can do. Nothing they can do to keep him. Same thing with Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder could get a big offer from somebody else. He's not going to be restricted. That's it. If he decides, hey, I want to be a, I don't know, New York Nick, whatever, whatever team you want to throw in, I want to play for that team instead of the Lakers. Okay. There's nothing the Lakers can do. Reeves, Rui, totally different situation. Restricted free agents, the Lakers will have to make the conscious choice to let them go. So I hope that's at least a little bit comforting. They cannot leave without the Lakers agreeing to it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Valentino. Rui plays big in the playoffs, averaged double figures on the big stage since his Wizards days. 55 million, four years, next contract. Thoughts? Yeah, if you can get that, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think he's played well. I think he's a good fit. I liked the fit when the Lakers went and got him. Thought it made sense. I like that he's big enough to play the four or the three, potentially, for this team. Um, Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. And he's a young player. Yeah, I'd be fine with that deal. As far as the Wizards days, it's such a small sample size still that I don't want to, like I'm already seeing people throw out playoff Rui and stuff. Let's see. Let's see how it goes for me. I hope it continues. But we're still in small sample size territory. He's been great though. Take nothing. He's been fantastic. Fantastic stuff. I love it. Pixel said, big shot Hotch. Need to shoot more threes. I mean, he's shooting 75% from three. And I think he's taking them all in rhythm too. He's not taking threes that aren't there. He's not forcing anything, which is great. That's what I love about the way Rui is playing right now. Not only is he making shots, but he's very under control. He's not forcing shots that simply aren't there. He's not like, it's not like he's taking heat check shots. He's taking shots in rhythm that he should be shooting. Avant traders, entire playoffs. There hasn't been really any close games, surprisingly. I mean, Kings and, and Warriors have had some close games. Uh, we've seen a few pretty close ones. 
there have been some blowouts too, but that's also part of round one because you wind up with an eight seed matched up with a one seed. I mean, hell, just last night, we saw uh, Minnesota avoid elimination by going into overtime with Denver. There have been some close games. Alex, Dylan Brooks, typical Oregon Duck. Well, Jeff Spiegel might have some issues with, with that, but he's an Oregon guy. James Bell, Beasley is a business decision. Okay. And Senpai, we'll finish with this one. Grizzlies found a way to front run while down 20. Oh, that's a good way to bookend it. Never put it past the Grizzlies to find a way to say some absolutely absurd things. But in any event, Lakers Nation, I do have more questions and comments to get to. May get to them uh, before game four. But appreciate everybody for joining me here on the Lakers Nation podcast. Again, don't forget, smash that like button on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Would appreciate if you give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Join us tonight for Lakers-Grizzlies game four. Uh, find us on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Come watch the game directly with us. Hang out with me, Sean Davis. We'll have other Lakers Nation staff members pop in. Hang out with us while we watch the game. And then, of course, join us on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel for the post-game show, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.